If you understand this, you will be happier. Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Wilkes. I am here with Anita Joyce, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks, Episode 342. Be happier. Understand the psychology of decorating. There's a lot of good information today, and we're going to touch on some things you may not have considered, and just making simple tweaks can really up your happiness game in your own home. You know, Kelly, I used to think about how rooms and homes really affected me so much, and I felt like I was different than other people because I was aware of being so impacted by my environment. And I talked about it a lot. But now I don't think I am different. I think I've just been more aware of how rooms impact me. But I personally now feel like they impact everyone else just as much as they impact me. It just, I think some people haven't been as aware of it or maybe haven't been able to vocalize it. But don't you think it really does impact people, pretty much everybody? Oh my gosh. Yes. And yes, you are very personally aware. <laughs> and I like that about you. Um, yes, I think it impacts so many people in so many ways. And unfortunately, what goes on in a lot of people's homes impacts them in a negative way mm-hmm. yeah, and that's true. doesn't make them happy and actually adds to their stress level. And so, you know, this is not necessarily a new idea for decorating tips and tricks because we talk about creating not only a beautiful home, but a sanctuary. And that's what it's all about for us. It, right. it really truly isn't just the pretties, but the pretties do help to make it a very positive environment. So yeah, there are so many ways. And and the key, well, the first step, right? It's just like the first step of everything is acknowledging it or is it understanding it. So if you understand what's going on, then you can take action. And lots of times it's something that's pretty simple. And we'll go through some you know, rather simple, concrete things that everybody can do right away to change uh, a room that if it's not having a positive impact on you. You know, it's interesting because I think people that are selling their homes or perhaps it's the realtors have really grasped this in the last five to 10 years. Whereas 20 years ago, people really didn't do a lot to stage their home. They might've done a little bit, but now it's on overdrive because of what we're saying. People's impression when they walk into a house, how they feel about it really is uh, different depending on how it's decorated. And so if it's decorated well, people are going to have a much better impression of it. And those houses do sell better. Oh, yeah. And we've all gotten a lot more touchy-feely and coupled with the onset of all the images that you can see of homes and beautiful homes. You know, sort of the bar is pretty high. Plus, I think we're all just acknowledging the fact that, you know, you know, we need uh, uh, the space to look good. A lot of people can't see beyond what's or see to the potential, particularly in a, a house that they're going into purchase. I read something in getting ready for this episode that even though people may go in to look at a home for sale uh, with a whole list of pros and cons, it is really the emotional uh, impact that that home has in in really the first few minutes that makes or breaks the deal. I think so. And there is something, even if it's an empty house, it's that, can you picture yourself in the house? There is definitely a feeling or a vibe a house has, even sometimes if it's just empty. So it's not just the decorating, but the structure of the house, other things that you may not even be paying attention to, like the ceiling height mm-hmm. is something that really impacts how you feel about a room. And you know, a lot of people are claustrophobic. So those lower ceilings can be a real negative for some people. So that's something to think about is that ceiling height. Although once you have your house, there's not really much you can do to change that. Well, we're going to get into all those specifics. But just to be clear, this isn't just about selling your house today either, although that is really important. And, you know, all this information could be really useful if you were going to try to sell your house or stage your house or work with a realtor to do that. This is um, moreover about you living in your house right now and reassessing each room 
to make sure that that room is making you as happy as it possibly can. Mm-hmm. And yes. all of that added up, I mean, you'll, you'll be skipping down the street, you know, whistling a tune and picking daisies because you're going to be so happy in your house. And every time you walk in, that house is going to fill you up with these positive feelings. And isn't that really what we all want? Oh, right. So if you're aware, it, it, it's kind of that first step is admitting you have a problem. Here, it's the mm-hmm. first step is kind of being aware that you might need to make some changes. So you're kind of try to look at all these things. If you're not even aware of it, how can you even fix the issues that are exactly. bothering you? Exactly. Yeah. So- so you experience a room, everyone experiences a room in um, basically about five different ways. So you're going to start off, you know, walking into the room, whether it's a room you've never been into or better yet, a room in your own house. Try to walk in with fresh eyes, you know, kind of doing this exercise as we go through these different things. So you go, you experience a room with your senses. So probably not taste. So we might take that one off the board, but sight, smell, sound, and touch. So what is the room in question, what information or what is it giving to you for your senses to perceive? You know, is, are there pretty things to look at? Is there a pattern? Uh, is the scale right? What kind of lighting is going on? Uh, what does it smell like? Does it smell like it's a stale because it's an extra guest room and it's been closed up? Uh, you know, do you need to rearrange your garbage situation? So by the end of the day, you know, it's not smelling like trash is in the room. Uh, you know, is it your teenager's room that smells a little stale? Um, are there sounds? You know, this man might be a, um, less important than the others because obviously you can turn on music or Alexa, or maybe you have some water fountain sound or something going on. Um, or maybe the, there's just a lot of loud noise from outside and that would, could have a negative impact on you and then touch. So, um, you know, are there different textures in the room? Uh, and you touch, yes, it's tactile that you'd put your hands or your fingers on it, but also you kind of, can sense touch with your eyes as well with respect to texture. So, you know, are there different nubby things going on or is everything completely flat and the same? You want to have all your senses, um, you want to please all your senses in each room. Yeah. And when you're talking about the way it looks, let's go back to our tip that we talk about a lot. Take a picture of each room. So you can kind of make some notes and there might be some things you notice in the photo that you don't notice walking in the room, but it's also good to have that where you can kind of make a few notes for yourself. That's a great idea. And, you know, when you're talking about um, smell, smell is also really closely associated with memory. Isn't that correct, Anita? It's the, yes. the sense that is most associated with memory or I guess can conjure up the most vivid memories. So if there are smells in your room or your home that give you positive memories, even if it's not something like, oh, I'm bringing this very vivid picture of this experience in my mind, but just sort of this general sense of memories. If it's something that feels good to you and and that can really make you happier. Whereas if it's a scent that you don't like, um, then you need to change that. Because that's going to bring back perhaps negative memories. And that's going to impact whether you really are cognizant of it or not. That's going to impact the way you feel in that room. Well, the interesting thing, too, about the sense of pets, I think when you live with pets, sometimes you're not aware that there is an odor in the house. So that might be something that you can ask somebody else that you know will be honest with you mm-hmm. to if they notice something, because that could be even be something that's bothering you, but you're not even aware of it because you're so used to it. No, every that's day such in your a good house. point. Yeah, because think about it. Like if you leave your house, say you have salmon or something the night before, and you you leave and you don't really notice that your house smells like salmon. And then if you come back after a couple of hours, you're like, whoa, my house smells like salmon. But once you're in it for a while, you just get used to it. That's a well, really good point. I know. And I knew somebody that their house smelled like mothballs. It was really a pretty strong odor. Mm. But then I had somebody else's house. I can't really say something to somebody else. But I remember thinking, I can't stay here very long because of the smell. 
Wow, they must have had, really had a big moth problem. <laughs> I, well, or they thought they did. There was a lot of mothballs in that house. Oh my gosh. Okay, and then another way that you are going to experience a room is through your assumptions. So that is kind of like your preconceived notions of like how a certain room should be set up. And if it's somewhat predictable and within the boundaries of your assumptions, it's going to feel more comfortable and familiar. Now, that being said, it is more than okay to sort of challenge the assumptions a little bit if it works. You know, you don't want to have something in a room, let's like say the living room, right? And you don't necessarily want to have just a day bed in the living room and you know, no other chairs, because then it's not going to feel like it's a living room. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of right. like an extreme or, you know, you're not going to want to have a pool table in the dining room uh, because that's Although not some people do. Some people do. And I have a friend who, well, she had triplet boys and another boy that was just 18 months older than them. And when they were teenagers, that's exactly what she had. Right. <laughs> but, right. you know, that was a good reason. And maybe the people she was living with felt that that was really made them feel comfortable and happy. So that worked for them. But in general, uh, rooms should function or should be then equipped with the things that are somewhat predictable and that would make people feel comfortable in those rooms. Comfortable seating in the living room, you know, a a dining table that's big enough to seat your family and some guests in the dining room, this sort of thing. That being said, you could sort of tweak that a little bit. You know, you don't have to have the sofa for four and two club chairs on either side and a coffee table in the middle. You can tweak it and make it your own, but our assumptions will follow us into the rooms. And if it feels, if it's just off and doesn't make sense to us, it's probably not going to make you feel really comfortable, i.e. happy in that room. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about the layout of the room, I've noticed that that symmetry is such an issue and it doesn't have to be exact symmetry. It doesn't have to be exactly matching chairs or matching chests, but matching as far as weight goes in the room. The room needs to feel balanced. And that is something I've noticed when a room feels off balance or off kilter, that can really, it's its kind of interesting. You just don't feel right about the room. And I've had clients where they just say, I don't like this room. And I look at it and say, well, of course you don't because it's not really balanced. And that's driving you nuts. Even though you didn't really know that's what it was, it was just not balanced. So that that symmetry and the balance in the room is so important for it having a feeling of well-being, basically. Yeah, I think balance is such an important aspect. And exactly what you're saying, it's oftentimes when people, the room looks great. They bought every piece of furniture that they really wanted. And that palette is terrific. And there's texture and it's really, the color is flowing but there's still something wrong. And the, the person, the homeowner, the client, the listener cannot figure out what is wrong with it. And I would say nine times out of 10 in that situation, everything else, it seems to be perfect. It's the balance. I think it's so important. I did a whole YouTube video on it and I get so many comments on that. And people are like, you know, kind of like, what is that saying? You know, um, hand to head, like, Duh. like, yes, mm-hmm. now this is what it is. I didn't, they didn't have a right. word for it and they weren't really sure why the room wasn't working, especially in rooms that are oddly shaped. That's, it's hard to achieve good balance. Well, and selecting the right things for the room is a very different skill from balancing the room. It's a lot easier in my mind to pick out nice things than to make the room work together uh, cohesively. And that has to do with that, that balance. Um, And, you know, I was thinking, too, about it seems like some universal truths about the psychology of a home. I think everybody wants an entryway that is inviting. Now, what one person thinks is inviting might be different from what someone else feels is inviting. But I think that's something that everybody wants. They want some room that they want rooms that have balance. I think everybody wants a room, a bedroom that feels romantic, relaxing. I think that's kind of a common thread with most people. And I think most people want a closet that feels organized. 
something where it feels like everything has a place because that's another thing that used to stress me out is pulling a drawer out and not knowing and not having room for something and then not knowing where I should put it and not being able to find things. We haven't even gotten to the clutter issue yet, but I think that's one of the worst things that people can do to themselves is to have a cluttered house. The stress, the anxiety, the depression with that. The constant search. Well, and it's another one of those things where I knew people that didn't have an organized house that maybe had some clutter. And I thought, it again, when I was younger, I thought, well, that's just not important to them. They don't really care about that. And then later I realized, I think everybody cares about that. They just, because I know some people now, they may not be good at it, but they want it. I think yes, everybody yes. wants the organization in their right. homes. That's why we're doing this very important episode. It's so true because people don't realize, well, A, as we've been saying, they don't realize that there's a problem necessarily. I mean, they see the stuff, but they don't recognize it as, le- they, that's making me unhappy. Like they're, they're not equating those two things. They, they just want like, to go to the movies all the time and not be home, <laughs> but they yes. don't know why. <laughs> just want to leave, right? No, because you could say, oh, I'm unhappy because I work too hard, or I am unhappy because my teenagers drive me crazy, or I'm unhappy because I have three little kids under five and they always want something for me. And, you know, all these other reasons. Uh, but but maybe a lot of it has to do with what you're surround is going on in your surroundings. And maybe all those other things wouldn't feel so overwhelming if you had this really comforting sanctuary type home that was making you happy in and of itself. It's so good when you feel like that. It's so good. Um, so yeah. Now a third way that we experience a room is through our intuition. So that's kind of like your spidey senses. Like I can't really describe for you what everybody's intuition is going to, how it's going to react to a particular room, but it's kind of like one of those things that you you know it when you feel it and you know it when you see it. There's sometimes you just walk into a room or a home that you've never been into before and it just feels good, right? The, the best compliment I ever got for a house was my house in San Marino, the prior one. And a friend of mine came, my, one of my college roommates, and she had never been to the house before. And she walked in. She was in there for about, I don't know, 10 minutes. And she said, I just feel like your house is giving me a hug. And I oh, thought, Whoa. that's Oh, I love that. That's my favorite right? phrase. I think a house should give people entering the building a hug. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because as a kid, I remember what you said, the spidey senses. I don't know what else to call it. But as a kid, I remember there were some places my mom went shopping and I had this creepy feeling like, please do not take me into that building because I cannot go in there. There, I couldn't even, I don't know why, but there was just something about it. I could not stand the thought of going in there. And I noticed this one kind of... um, well, I'm not going to say where it is, but there's some place that we've been to. It is a little, it's kind of a store that time forgot that isn't, people, doesn't seem like people go in there very often. That's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. And uh, our daughter with Down syndrome, she will not go in it. Oh, I know, but I'm going to have to say, if she won't go in there, then I'm kind of like, I'm not going in either. She won't well, at go least in. the spidey senses are high. Yeah, I think she, yeah, exactly. I think she's got some good senses there. Oh my gosh. No, that's so true. Like I I just, you know, it was came to mind when you were saying that, like a place where, I mean, I don't think you need much intuition, but like, I would never want to be in a bowling alley, like particularly like on a nice day. It's loud. It's dark. <laughs> the ceiling is well, low. That's the, that's the shoes and the socks. You can't go. And the there. shoes and the socks is a whole, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Can I just wear my own? <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, those kinds of, I mean, obviously you're not going to go decor shopping in a bowling alley, but it's just a place that just is not feeding your, your senses, not feeding your intuition, just not giving you the good hug that you should be getting from a house. Stagnant spaces do this. Now you just mentioned this store and you said it's like a store that time forgotten. Not a lot of people go in there. So it has a stagnant sense to it. Yes, it really did. Yes. So if it feels like that, um, although you know I'd be charging and looking to see if they had any good stuff in a box in the back. Well, <laughs> the best thing about the store is that they have vintage things, but they're still new. Oh, there you go. Okay, right. <laughs> if that tells no you one's actually gotten to them. <laughs> um, it's 30 years old, but it's brand new. <laughs> but it's brand new. Um 
so yeah. And so in your own home, well, what can that mean? You know, you obviously don't have a bowling alley and you don't have a, you know, a decrepit store, but you might have stagnant spaces, particularly if you have a lot of square footage, you might have rooms that don't get used a lot. Well, what about guest rooms that don't use like, or sitting rooms and things like that, or you might just have lonely corners. What about a house where you just haven't changed anything in 10 years? I think it, then it gets, uh, we haven't talked about that, but that's kind of a boredom factor. You want some excitement in your house. So if you don't ever change anything up, I think you're going to be bored going in your own home. So I think that's right. something. And to you do. might also have fallen into some sort of time warp too. Well, that happens too, of course. Don't you just love a great recommendation from a friend? Well, we're delighted to be recommending these companies and their wonderful products to you today. And let them know your friends at DTT sent you. Okay, another way that you experience a room is through your emotions. This is all very sort of, yeah, you know, touchy-feely, wishy-washy, but this is all good info and stuff you need to think about. So how are your emotions impacted when you walk in a room? I'm going to harken back to something Anita said right in the beginning. How do those really low ceilings make you feel? Right? How does really low light make you feel? How do dark drapes across the windows make you feel? How about a dead plant? How <laughs> <Oops>. about clutter? <laughs> How are you feeling oh. now? Yeah. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling stressed, right? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling well, like I, may, me, I might even want to go bowling instead. <laughs> how about a minimalist? I mean, not minimalist, but like beyond minimalist where it's sterile, no pillows, oh, sterile. no curtains, no real fabrics to speak of much. Right. And everything's a smooth, slick surface, hard surface, hard corners, nothing curved, no, no fabrics. That. That would stress me out. I would feel like I was getting ready to be injected with something. (laughs) You'd need to get injected with happiness to be in that room. Um, Yeah. How about about no personal items whatsoever? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. How about no pillows? Waiting room. It's a waiting room. No pillows. All right. Mm -hmm. How about an old people magazine from 2016? (laughs) You're you're just stressing me out. You're going to get your teeth drilled. Ah. Yeah. You do not want to have rooms like that. And obviously, nobody listening to this has a room like that. No, no, you no, could no. But have you, something But you've like, seen them. Yeah, you've but you them. could have a low ceiling and there's yeah. no shame. And what is a low ceiling anyway? I mean, it's not like we're hobbits. I mean, you know, a low ceiling, but you, you can do things to combat a low ceiling, right? And then no one will notice. You wouldn't even notice you have a low ceiling. You know, hang those curtains high. How about a tall lamp with the lights coming up? How about a tall plant? How about um, right? You know- but but what you're mm-hmm. saying is, if you have a ceiling that's not that tall, there are things that you can do to make it not feel so low. And and these are so you need to kind of be aware that that's the issue, right? So that you can make some changes, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You don't yeah, have I think the lights. clutter. Is such an easy thing to fix. The the wall height, of course, I mean, the ceiling height, obviously that's not easily changed, but there are some things you can use to disguise that. But that claustrophobia thing, if you do have a ceiling that's not super high, then I think you really want those windows opened up and not covered up with the curtains. Uh, you want to be able to see outside. You want to feel like that outside is just right next door and not uh, walls and walls and walls away. So you want your your windows to have the curtains not covering them. And if they're heavy, dark curtains, maybe you want to take them down. If they're plantation shutters, you want to swing those open because that's just that happiness, getting that natural light in. And that's another thing we didn't talk about is the artificial lighting. I don't know about you, but fluorescent lighting depresses me. As soon as I go into a room, if that's the major light in the room, I really can't wait to get out of the room. And if you're in a workspace, if you have an office, if you don't have the pleasure of working at home like Kelly and I do, then try bringing in some lamps from home with incandescent lighting or some lighting meant to ease eye strain and some lighting that's supposed to make the space more personable. What about bringing in a little area rug for your office or some other things to make it feel more homey? That was something when I worked in some industrial spaces, because I was an engineer for years, 
it drove me nuts when I was in a room with just metal desks and, you know, icky floors. And I don't know, it just kind of that really, once I got a nicer office, it just made me so much happier. And when I say nicer, I just mean it just cozier. I didn't feel so stressed. Right. Because it was pleasing to your senses, right? Your spidey sense was also, uh, you know, in tune, (laughs) feeling good, right? And, you know, and and emotionally, it was a positive impact on you as to the- I have to say, when when I worked at this hospital system, our offices were in an old hospital building, which sounds kind of icky and, and sterile, but really the benefit was we all had our own private bathroom. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, en suite. Very nice. Oh, you oh, can so leave you your like toothbrush in, a- in there. Oh, my gosh. So you were in what was a hospital room, I guess. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Those were nice offices because you had a door. You know, a lot of spaces now <laughs> You got all- a door? Well, wow, a lot you of spaces- must have been a VIP. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, shut everybody up. had a door. No, I listen, you're making fun of me, but you know, <laughs> these days people don't have offices anymore. It's no, all in it's an open true. space. That's true. Yeah. We work cubies and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They're all cubicles. That's true. Very true. Okay. Let's talk about spatial harmony. Here's another thing that people don't recognize necessarily. It's kind of like balance. Balance might be a l- even harder to detect when it's off or maybe harder to, f- to figure out how to fix. You kind of know it's off, but you don't know what's off. Spatial harmony also really impacts the way you perceive a room. So this is furniture placement flow throughout the room, um, recognizing the need for some negative space, So the distance between the pieces of furniture, are they too close? Are they too far away? Or is all the furniture smashed up against the walls? Uh, Do you have to jump over a couple of chairs to get in and out of the room? So how the furniture is placed is really important. And it's going to to impact you immediately, even before you try to walk through the room. Your your eyes and your mind is going to take it all in and be like, "Eh," if it's all cluttered or like, oh, kind of feels odd if there's everything's pushed against the wall and then there's just this big cavernous space. Like you feel like you should do a cartwheel or something in the middle to fill it up. <laughs> but that might be fun. Yeah, I might feel like I, I You know, like and, and, and think about adding some fun and whimsy to your room. I think too, sometimes it can be too stiff, too, too formal, and then they're not, they don't feel relaxing. Uh, and then again, it's interesting because – my rooms evolve over time. I'm adding things. I'm moving things around from one room to another. And sometimes I look around and realize that a room just isn't working for me anymore. And sometimes and then I you move. And then, well, sometimes I move. But <laughs> I'm trying to just, yes, now I'm trying not to move. So what I try to do is just kind of go, I because it's hard to, again, when it's your house, it's a little, it's harder than if it's somebody else's house. You're so used to looking at everything, it's hard to step back mm-hmm. and see it objectively. But one of the things I try to do is just kind of go around the, is kind of pull things out of the room and start over, and take a picture of it, and kind of go around and go, well, what is it that's not making me happy in this room? And uh, sometimes a big rearrange or moving some things out that I think aren't working and putting something else out. It's amazing how much happier I can be with a room when I kind of recognize that that's the issue and then try playing around. And if you don't know what's not working in the room, that's even okay because you, as long as you're willing to just try some things, try moving some things in, try taking some things out. And we're not talking about selling anything or throwing anything away at this point. Just move it out in the hallway or move it to another room and just try it and see if there's something. And then if it turns out there's some piece that you don't like in any room, then clearly that's a piece to get rid of. But it's nice to play around when you have some reversibility, when you're not getting rid of pieces where you just kind of move it to another room to just kind of test it out the look. Yeah, I 100% agree. 
there's, uh, especially when we were moving in here and I was trying to incorporate, you know, when you're moving and you think, oh, can I use this from the other house? And you're trying to use it and like, maybe it's really not going to work. And then the gentleman that we bought the house from had left so many things here. Like I was playing with stuff all the time, shuffling stuff around. And it took me a long time to get that living room right. Uh, that was a tough room. And we actually have a listener question um, coming up uh, with a listener who has also a very long living room and just kind of facing the same issue that I was. That was my toughest room. But yeah, if if it doesn't feel right to you, then there are definitely things that you can do. Uh, so we'd like you to kind of go through this exercise. I think it would be really great. And what if you walk into every room and you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, that's the best. Yeah. Then you're good. You know, then, then go to the movies and go bowling, go do whatever you want to do. Go and then enjoy walk. coming back to your home. Yes. And then enjoy, you just can't wait to come back so you can enjoy it all over again. And I but, think a nice test would uh-huh. be, do you look forward to coming home when you go somewhere? Or are you kind of dreading it? I mean, there's your sign right there if you need to do something different. Well, there you go. We could have just said that and we saved 32 minutes and 59 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, don't you think this would be fun? Everybody think about, you know, maybe jot these five things down or keep them in your head. So your sense, how do you experience a room? Through your senses, assumptions, intuition, emotions, and um, your perception of the spatial harmony of the room. So maybe just go to each one of your rooms and have a look around. And I mean, you know, there's some overlap with these things. Um, how does it make you feel? You know, first impression, like don't think anything about it. Don't think, oh, I want to do this to that room. Or try to see the room like you've never seen it before. That's difficult in your own home, but maybe not as difficult as you think because there's so many things that we get used to seeing, you get blind to it. Right, so try to like clear it all out of your head and look at your rooms with fresh eyes, objectively, with those five things in mind, and see what jumps out at you. And then take a fabulous vacation to Hawaii and see if you're interested in coming back. <laughs> and then you'll really know how you feel. Mm, I don't mm. know if that's a good test. <laughs> that might, I mean, yeah, maybe go on a conference to a cold hotel and yeah, be you'll in be a, ready a ballroom mm-hmm. and then go bowling with your uh, conference mates and then see if you want to come home. Okay. So I think that this was a good exercise. I hope that everybody enjoyed it and realized that, you know, there, there are definitely ways you can do it. So maybe we could run down a few simple things. Do you think, Anita, just off the top of our heads? I mean, obviously they're not going to fit into everybody's life and everybody's room, um, or nor necessarily fit perfectly into each one of these five things, but clear the clutter. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Open the windows, make sure you have natural light in the rooms and test those light bulbs you've got. If if they have light that's bothering you or maybe they're too bright, mm. you know, somebody in my house changed out the lights in the kitchen and they're too bright right now. And who is just, that somebody that does? I'm not going to say mm. that who it is, but now is the same person that dropped all the chia seeds. I'm keeping tra- I'm keeping track, obviously. <laughs> I have the memory of an elephant. I was working on my computer, and when the lights got turned on today, I, I had a visceral reaction. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm no. awake, I'm awake. The lights are on now. Turn them off. Exactly. So, I, get you know, kind of think, I get it. I get it. Right. Think about how you're reacting to that, to the lights being on, because that is a definite issue with what kind of light you have in there. And make sure you do have the natural light. And... The uh, ceiling height, like we said, there's really not a lot you can do about that. But there are some tips uh, to help that. Look at the colors in your house. We didn't really even talk about the psychology of colors yet. Oh, that's a whole nother one. I put that on the list. Right, right, right. So yeah, that's a whole nother episode. But again, there's think of blue screens as being very soothing and calm, whereas red and yellow are more exciting and creative and happy and energetic. So kind of think about what you're mood you're wanting to create in the room and think about the balance issue. Think about clutter, uh, clearing the clutter out of the room. And when we say clutter, I'm not just talking about the stuff on the tables. A lot of people 
well, dare I say, most people have too much furniture in the room. So try taking some, can think about if you can take some furniture out of the room. Yeah. And feel, think about, um, you know, how are you going to get in and out of the room? Do you have to move around things? Uh, is it awkward? Is, the, is there a lonely chair in the corner that nobody sits in? You know, nobody needs a timeout chair in their living room. Oh, These sorts oh, of oh. things. Mm-hmm. I did want to talk about this too, because is there a piece of furniture in your room? Because this, I feel like this has happened to everybody. It's something, maybe it's not furniture, but something in your room, you paid a lot of money for it. You now hate it. You hate it to high heaven, but you paid a lot of money for it. And perhaps your spouse is saying, oh, no, you don't because you made me buy, you know, you insisted we buy this thing that costs blah, blah, blah. And now you want to get rid of it. Now you say you hate it. So maybe you can't even voice this thought out loud, but I think everybody's got someone <laughs> you can tell, in their house. You can tell us. Send you can tell us now. because it's say, I happened hate it, to us. I hate it. I hate it. It's <laughs> that thing that you paid a lot of money for. And now you're thinking... I hate it. But now you feel like you're stuck with it for the reason I just mentioned. You paid so much money and then, you know, the eye roll from the husband. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. It's just you cannot go backwards. It's you've already bought it. You cannot make the clock go backwards and and pretend like you didn't buy it. You did. So at some point, it's just time to just call it what it is. Just accept it and and move forward. And a lot of times you can sell these things to somebody else. You're probably not going to get what you paid for it, but it's, I think it's best just to sell it, get it out of your house and just move on. That's my thought on it. And I've done this a couple of times and after it's over, it might've been painful at the time, but after it was over, I felt so much better and so relieved. And I cannot tell you, this is another thing I have that with clients is this conversation. They say, I hate it, but I spent too much money. And it's just a conversation, basically a a therapy session of just helping them release it so they can go. I love your bold and brave thinking. That is exactly what people should do with situations like that. Because it's not going to get any better. You're not going to suddenly decide you like it. And then you might end up decorating all around it. And then you'll end up with other things you don't like because you got them to work with that. And yeah, you and believe me, there are a lot of worse things you could do than buying something you decide you don't like five years later. So it's okay. It's evolving. What was the lovely thing that one of our listeners' uh, husband said? Catch and release. Oh, catch and release. That's right. That right. I love that. It's a good one. Okay. So let's jump into our crushes. Everybody's you know, thinking deep thoughts about these things. And you can get back to us via email and let us know how you're feeling when you look at your rooms. And right now, we'll uh, tell you about our crushes. You want to go first, Anita? Sure, sure. Remember how we were talking about how you shouldn't sleep with your phone next to your head because of the radiation? Mm-hmm. And you said, well, what about during the day? <laughs> And you're right. Oh, no. It's emitting all this radiation all day. Oh, yes. And now with 5G coming out, it's going to be even worse. But this is something that I've done a little bit of research on. And there are some covers you can get for your phone. For your head. (laughs) No. Well, I think there there may be something, but it may be like a metal helmet that you don't want to wear. may look a little weird. But there are some covers that you can use that will, I think while they're closed, they block 99% of the ELF and RF cell phone radiation uh, when that flap is closed. And I have a link to a brand that I found. Uh, this one is called the Safe Sleeve. And you can, and here's the thing I found out though, because I thought, okay, well, I know that from the cell phone, but, but you know, a Wi-Fi iPad, I thought well, that's not emitting anything because it's not on, it's not connecting to the cell tower. Well, guess what? It does emit radiation. So you have to be concerned about those as well, even devices on Wi-Fi. So think about getting them for uh, your iPad, not just your phone. Oh, yikes. And then I'll include the link. I know. It, 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 it's so hard. You find out all this stuff. But you, it better to know and do something about it than to be ignorant and then right. you don't know it's what you've done to, know, to your body. And then- 
Yeah. And just like anything, then you know it and you can decide, you know, I mean, people, people still smoke, right? Yeah. But you know, that they choose to smoke. I mean, if you don't want to get a flap for your phone, then you don't get a flap, but it's good to know what's going on. But at least make informed. That's a great tip. Make an informed decision. That's what I'm saying. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So my crush is a a new garden tote uh, from uh, Steel Canvas. Steel Canvas, we love this company. It's a, um, I I dare say it's really not even a small company anymore, but it's an old company, like family owned, still uh, made in the USA, right in Boston, Massachusetts. And I got in touch with them a bit ago and we did some stuff for my laundry room and they just came out with their new improved steel canvas garden tote. And I know we have a lot of gardeners who listen. It's right now in this olive color, which is terrific and won't show the dirt or anything like that. But I know they're going to bring it out in some other colors as well. It has nine pockets. It has uh, straps with leather uh, grips. Um, It has outside pockets, inside pockets. It's got the cool steel canvas sort of, you know, authentic retro looking uh, label that everybody loves. And it's so useful. And you could just tote it around with you. You could have your gloves and your tools and your seeds and whatever else you wanted to have in there. I think it's great. I do a lot of um, garden design and things for a lot of my clients. And, you know, I want to bring things like, you know, my clippers or gloves in case I want to get right into their container gardens or something like that. So I just throw mine in the trunk. It's terrific. And and I also use it around my yard. So we'll put the link in the show notes so everybody can check that out. Yeah. And I'll have um, a link for the for the safe sleeve as well. Oh, yeah. The safe sleeve. Good. So our listener question is from Megan G today. And Megan's question is really apropos to what we've been talking about today because she's having some issues figuring out how to uh, arrange her furniture. So that's our spatial harmony and also create balance in this very long living room that she has. She has a um, colonial home. And it's a New England colonial from 1984. And this particular room is narrow. She says it's about 11 and a half feet wide. And it runs the entire length of her home from front to back. And it has two entry points. So I'm guessing that one entry point is probably near the entrance to the house, off a hallway. And then further on, you must go down a hallway and then you can get into this room there, uh, you know, at the other entry at the other end. And Anita and I have, of course, the benefit of some photos. Well, let me just tell you, Megan, the room is beautiful. Your palette is. is lovely. I love your forsythia, uh, the rug, everything. It's so it's so kind of muted blues and neutrals with some uh, brown leather kind of club chairs. She's got some antique pieces. And there is a fireplace with a fairly, um, you know, New Englandy looking, very sort of simple uh, fireplace surround painted white and it's lovely and that seems to be sort of smack in the middle of the room it might be a little bit off to one side or the other but uh, it kind of cuts the room in half so it's a very challenging room it's very similar to the setup that I have although mine doesn't run the whole length of the house so it's not uh, I don't know how long your house is but it's probably not as long as yours Megan but I also have two entries one from the uh, foyer of the house and then one from the dining room you can get into my living room and I have the fireplace pretty much in the center and it's narrow so I feel your pain girlfriend <laughs> know that this is hard to do Anita do you have any thoughts well I do and the thing I wanted to say about it is that it is a long narrow room and so think about the the two short sides and the one long side are basically the end of the house, I'm assuming. Well, I guess we don't know that one long wall. There's no windows on that wall, so it might not be. But yeah, it's yeah. it's a long room, and the furniture is centered in the center around the fireplace. And so she has two ends with really nothing on them. There's windows on the short ends. Uh, all the furniture is in the center around the fireplace. And I think it's bothering her that there's the space on the ends is not being used um, and then she was saying, I think that that they're the family spending time in another room. And I'm thinking if these are kids that are watching TV on a long comfy sofa, that may be your answer right there because this room has a kind of a love seat and, and two leather chairs. So 
it may be yeah, hard. So to there's get another the- room. That's the family room where the TV is. So right. We don't okay. have to worry about a TV in this room. Right, right, right. But I'm saying the, the kids are going to probably want to be, you know, draped across the sofa with their iPhones, whatever, in the other room. Now, unless right. you put some sofas or some big beanbag chairs or something, I don't know how much they're going to yeah, really no, want to be. Yeah, no, she's saying, I think in the email that this is basically for reading and make it inviting, casual, comfortable space for reading, relaxing, and quiet time. We have an additional family room off the kitchen that has our TV and some toys for the kids. Okay. So here's the thing about the room is that on the fireplace wall, the fireplace is in the center, and then there's a very long wall on either side of the fireplace. On one side, she has a chest, and on the other side, nothing. So I'm feeling like as you walk in, you're seeing the fireplace, chest on one side, nothing, and a mirror above it, and nothing on the other side. So I'm already seeing a balance issue here. Uh, as you're walking in the room. And I'm feeling, I think that may be part of what she does not like about the room. I would suggest because it's a long wall with really nothing going on because there's no windows on that wall, that she put two matching bookcases on either side of the fireplace. And I would go with some beautiful, dark, rich color, maybe like that dark navy that we both love. Mm. But some very, but it could be white or stained wood, but I would definitely go with two tall, bookcases on either side, decoratively done. I think that would make a beautiful look. As you enter the room, then you would see the fireplace with both of these bookcases. And then I would probably just put that, the chairs are on, the chairs and the love seat are facing each other uh, right in front of the fireplace. So the love seat's on the right, the chairs are on the left. I think I would take the love seat and face the fireplace in the center of the room and so that's just the love seat in the center with the fireplace and then have two chairs, a seating area on the left and a seating area on the right, basically in front of both of those bookcases. So then there would be three seating areas. So just the love seat in the center, then two on the left side of the room and then two on the right side of the room. And that was kind of my thinking. What about you? Love it. Um, very similar. I would uh, break the room up into three seating areas as well. And that's exactly what I did. Well, actually, let me take it back. I did two seating areas. There seems to be a bit more room here in Mega's situation to have something additional right in front of the fireplace. So yes. So let's take the one by the front of the house. I might take that sofa that is existing there and then have that be the major piece in that seating area and then do maybe those two chairs that she already has. So basically to make it easier just to try it out too, Megan, you could just take those three pieces and move it over into the front seating area and see how that works. Maybe you want to add a little coffee table. You have a little ottoman or something there. And then I would focus on the other side and I wouldn't match it. I would do something else. Maybe I would put a chaise. Maybe I would put two different chairs with a table in the center. So make it that a comfortable place to read, but like really, truly comfortable. Because in my experience, I did the one area that was very nice and comfortable, had my sofa to the two Berger chairs and the coffee table. And that's where everybody went. And it was almost like the room was a seesaw because everybody was always at the one end. And the other end, I just had two decorative chairs and the table in between. Nobody was going to go sit there. It didn't even look comfortable. You know, I would right, walk right. by and I'd be like, that looks pretty. Uh, yeah. Let me change the vignette on this little table. But nobody ever went over there. As soon as I switched it out to that chaise, it's everybody's favorite spot. And now even, I mean, the room is not, it's not like you need a megaphone to talk to somebody on the other side. So, but there could be someone sitting reading and they might not be having an ongoing conversation, but you can still chat with each other, even if you're on the sofa on one end and you're on the chaise on the other. So I, especially since the room you said is going to be for comfort and relaxing and reading, I would look into some sort of chaise or some sort of something where there is, or maybe a chair with a big ottoman because you have the room there and then maybe pull a smaller accent chair or something next to that um, or a bar card or something like that, you know, just to jazz it up a little bit. Don't make each end matchy matchy. And then then I would put, yeah, and I would do what Anita did in right in front of the fireplace. I would put either the love seat you have or one very similar. And you could probably get away with a little ottoman over there or some nesting tables because you don't want to make it like you have to jump over something when you're coming in and out of the room. And maybe what do you think about rugs, Anita? What would you do? 
Oh, well, that's probably a three rug solution there. I think it's a three rugger. Yeah. I think it's a three rugger, but I, I agree with you. It doesn't have to be, I mean, I wasn't really thinking that all four chairs match, but just that there's two on one side and two on the other. But like you said, a chaise lounge, uh, I think is a great idea or a bergere chair with an ottoman, something like that. I think, you know, just, just, but balanced, I think on both sides. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and make little destinations. So you'll have three different destinations in that room. Yeah, so you're going to have to be careful that the rugs work together. They don't have to all be three exactly the same. You can do three sisal or something, but you can do colored rugs. Just make sure that the colors work together. Yeah, even the one she—I mean, the one she has is so pretty. I mean, and it looks fairly large. Like maybe she could just do that, and then like maybe a sisal on either mm-hmm. end. You know, yeah, just that's to not make a bad idea. Together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Megan, I great. hope that helped. I know it's hard to work with a room like that, but you've done a great job. It's a beautiful room. I mean, there's lovely things in there, of course. It's yes. beautiful. She has great taste. Really nice. <laughs> so, you guys, we want to tell you about something before we go today. There are so many new listeners, and we're so excited, and welcome to all of you. Um, and, you know, it's summertime. So what we thought we would do to bring everybody up to speed, because we've gotten a lot of questions. We even did a listener question about, like, what are the, you know, there, you have 300 and yada, yada <laughs> podcasts. How do I catch up? You know, what do I do? So what we've decided to do for the, a short time in the summer is to run some best ofs. And so on Mondays, we're going to, we've handpicked the most popular and episodes that we think are, you know, there's a nice variety of them. And we're going to run those on Mondays. So you'll, we'll still be with you. Um, we'll be just like the ghost of Anita and Kelly from the past <laughs> talking that to you again. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then on Wednesdays, all fresh new content. Um, and here and there, we may be dropping some new things into, you know, little segments into the Monday shows, but we're not sure about that right now. But for now, f- just for a short time during the summer, and to, as we said, to bring everybody up to speed, we're going to be doing that um, just for the summer months, dropping some of the most popular shows into the Monday uh, slot for decorating tips and tricks. Wednesday, we'll be here with brand new content. So please keep sending your emails and questions. I'm catching up. Uh, I think we're doing some listener questions that came in, in, uh, you know, just a week or so ago now. So I'm pretty much caught up. So I need some more questions. So send them in. And, and if any of you want to take advantage of this wonderful offer for the half price for our consults, please do that. So we can get you scheduled, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And, it, you know, I hope you learned a lot today and you got you thinking. Well, it certainly got me thinking. And it was really an interesting process to go through and think about each element of a room and how it impacts people. But it definitely does impact you. It is important. It's not a frivolous thing. This is where you live. You take care of that house and make sure it's working for you and for your family. And remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. to remind you that we are available for design consults. We take on your design dilemmas, questions, renovations, any project you want to talk about, any room, any space. We are here for you. And we really do enjoy doing these. And I think we've helped people a lot. So if you want to sign up for a consult, head to the link in the show notes. It's decoratingtipsandtricks.com slash consult. We hope to talk to you soon.